Hello, everyone, and welcome to the IPA Board of Pharmacy What, Why, and How podcast, uh, where we tell you what action the board took today at their meeting, why they took that action, and how it affects your pharmacy practice. I am Casey Fisek, IPA's Director of Public Affairs, and I am joined again, as always, by Sue Mears from the Board of Pharmacy. Thanks for joining today, Sue. You bet. Uh, another virtual meeting for the board. So is that two now or? I think so. That sounds about right. Yeah, it almost seems normal at this point. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, don't have to get us dressed up. That part's nice. Yeah, plain there. true. Um, but uh, plenty to talk about today, certainly. And um, a lot of uh, rulemaking starting off again and starting the process, but also uh, with the legislative session coming to a close, kind of, you know, it's definitely a strange process when they come back for a week and a half, but they have finished session. So I think we'll talk a little bit about um, some legislation that was passed that impacts pharmacy and impacts the board. So uh, should be a good podcast and plenty to talk about, certainly. Sue, why don't we just get started? And if you're willing, provide uh, sort of a, a quick recap of some of the uh, legislation that was passed. I know a couple board bills were passed and then um, a few other pieces that will impact pharmacists and the practice of pharmacy. So uh, if you wanna just sort of give us a quick rundown there, that would certainly be appreciated. Yeah, certainly. Um, well, yeah, like you mentioned, um, two of the board's bills um, were passed and signed by the governor. The board had introduced three bills. Um, and so two that did get passed um, were the Controlled Substances Bill and the PMP Bill. So the Controlled Substances Bill um, made permanent certain scheduling actions uh, for substances, placing them into the Controlled Substances Act that the board had temporarily scheduled just by rulemaking over the last couple of years. Uh, so that makes those um, drugs in the uh, CSA permanently so we can take them out of rules. Um, and then it, it took out some language that was in code about medical marijuana programs of the board, which the board um, has never implemented any kind of medical marijuana program and would have no um, intention of doing so. So it takes kind of cleans that language up a little bit. So that bill was signed on June 1st and it became effective on June 1st. Um, and then also the PMP bill. Uh, that was signed also on June 1st, and it will become effective on July 1st. And that one has a few pieces in there um, that are important. Um, it makes available the PMP program to veterinarians if they choose to register um, and access the program. Um, and then it also includes a requirement to submit the dispensing of Schedule 5 controlled substances and drugs of concern. So the board will be now um, working with the PMP Advisory Council and reviewing if there are drugs of concern that they would like to mandate reporting to the PMP. At this time, there haven't been any drugs uh, specifically identified okay. um, to require for reporting. Um, so we'll be looking at that here in the next couple of months um, and be putting through rules at least to get the C5s um, required for reporting. And then there may or may not be drugs of concern in the future. Okay. Um, Can I ask then, a question real yeah. quick? I'm sorry. Yeah, so you're good. For now, until rules are promulgated, those uh, Schedule 5 drugs are not required to be reported? 
Correct. I think it, it would wait until the rules are okay. effective. Gotcha. Well, that's helpful. I know this board. Um, yeah. Unless the, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. I was just going to say, unless the PMP administrator tells me otherwise, I guess that's my understanding of the okay. process. I'll, um, yeah. I mean, obviously, if it's if it's otherwise, we would let folks know. Yeah, and I imagine there would be some substantial notice that would go out. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, good to know. And I, congratulations. I know that bill um, had been in the works for a couple of years, but it's good to see it yeah. get across the finish line. Yeah. Um, and then there were a couple other bills that have a little bit of impact to pharmacy, but not a lot. So, I'll just mention them quick. Um, Senate File 2357 is um, a physician assistant bill, and it makes a lot of code changes relating to the practice of physician assistants and their oversight. Um, but there's just one little piece that, um, that does have an impact on pharmacy, so I just want to make sure to note that. Um, and our compliance officers have, over the last couple of years, made a point to remind pharmacies that every prescription issued by a physician assistant was required to have the name of the supervising physician um, on that prescription. And that piece of the code was rescinded in this bill. So that was effective March 18th and signed on March 18th. So uh, prescriptions that come in from a physician assistant are no longer required to have the name of the supervising physician. So I just want to make sure that people know that. Yeah. Um, and then there's um, another bill put out by the Administrative Rules Review Committee of Legislators, and it, it was a code cleanup, but they're um, just kind of amending how they're referring to waivers and variances. Um, they felt like nobody does variances, really, so they're uh, striking that word from code. Um, so when people want to put in a petition to say, we don't want to follow this rule, it'll just be called a waiver, even if they're they're just seeking a modification um, for their compliance with the rule and not just waiving the rule entirely. So maybe just semantics, but um, that one also um, it was passed by both chambers. It's been sent to the governor. Hasn't yet been signed, um, yeah. but when it is signed, it'll be effective July one. Um, yeah. And then um, the the last bill has a little bit more impact to pharmacy. Um, and it's House File 2627, and this was an overall professional um, licensing reform bill um, that had been initiated by the governor's office, and it did pass both chambers with some modifications and amendments, and it has been enrolled and sent to the governor, but she hasn't yet signed it. Um, and so some of the pieces in there that um, are important is that it. Um, provide some consistency and ideally reduces barriers to folks who want to transfer a professional license into Iowa. Uh, it limits the criminal convictions that can be used as a basis for either denial of a license or uh, for san not sanctioning, but for revoking or suspending a license. Um, and then it includes a provision to um, waive the initial application fees for initial applicants who are uh, below 200% of the federal poverty threshold. Um, so we're the board is uh, we're working with the other licensing agencies um, to help come up with a consistent way of um, implementing those provisions of the bill. So more to come on that. Um, and then that bill, of course, had a couple extra. Um, pieces added in the second division. And I think the one that um, would be the, the most 
important to pharmacies in Iowa is the piece that further extends the repeal date of the code section that authorizes physician-signed immunization protocols. Um, you know, if people recall, it was um, set to be repealed in 2019, and then in last year's session, it got extended to uh, July 1 of 2020. Um, and so that's, you know, coming right up, and Medicaid hadn't yet got their um, rules put through to recognize pharmacists as providers. So luckily that um, a further extension was put into this bill um, that would extend it one more year to 2021. So again, um, hoping that that, that piece, um, you know, glad to see that piece in, but again, it's not signed yet. Yeah, um, I would imagine um, considering this was sort of um, one of Governor Reynolds' top priorities, I don't think there would be any issues with getting that bill signed. I mean, maybe they're right. just planning a a bill signing ceremony. Maybe that's yeah, the, that could be. So yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I don't. I I wouldn't think there'd be any issues there, but it's definitely good to see that extension again. You know, that's something yeah. we've probably talked about on this podcast quite a bit now, and uh, yeah. good for everyone to know that uh, those local protocols will still be valid um, pending the governor's signature and uh, correct. As you mentioned, I know there's um, sort of a rulemaking piece tied to that that we'll get into here a little later. Yeah. Well, yep. Well, thank you. That was a great recap and certainly uh, a lot going on there. And, um, you know, last time, Sue, we talked about how a lot of the rulemaking was put on hold during the COVID-19 yeah. pandemic. And it looks like by the agenda here that uh, that is no longer the case. And there's quite a few uh, notices out there for rulemakings. But there is one adoption and filing. Uh, do you want to hit on, on that one really quick and then we can get into the sure. list of notices that are now probably. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we had all those list of notices and um, I would have had those on there for the board's consideration either way. Mm -hmm. um, but we did just get notice from the governor's office that the rulemaking process can resume. They've just asked that we not bombard the system with all of our backlog. And, you know, from our perspective, we only had two pending filings that we had filed for notice that we had to pull back. So we didn't, we hadn't really, we didn't have a big backlog. So yeah. these are just things that have been, you know, piling or, you know, just things that the board needed to consider and, and we weren't necessarily um, pending um, due to COVID. So gotcha. just normal, normal work at the board here, yeah. always, always looking at, you know, how to make the rules better. So, yeah. So for this adoption, um, this was to amend Chapter 10 controlled substances, and um, this is something, a rulemaking that had been filed for notice back in January, and it would have allowed a CSA registrant, an individual registrant, say a prescriber, um, if he moved out of state and did not cancel um, and didn't renew his CSA registration and it lapsed and became expired, it would have allowed that practitioner um, to come back, renew registration when he moves back to Iowa. Um, if he attested that he didn't have any, um, didn't, wasn't involved in any registered activities during the time that his registration was expired, he'd be able to go ahead and just renew for the regular fee instead of the reinstatement fee of four times. Um, so we didn't get any public comments on that, but the uh, Administrative Rules Review Committee um, had um, was very much concerned about that 
piece of it, they weren't um, in favor of um, a professional just letting their registration lapse and expire. They felt that they needed to be responsible for them mm -hmm. um, and either cancel them or renew them um, and to let the board know what they had going on. Um, so the board took that um, under consideration and agreed to move forward with this adoption by taking out the piece about being allowed to just attest that they weren't involved in those registered activities and um, instead just moves forward with a rulemaking that adds a new sub rule that clarifies that when you don't need your registration anymore, you need to cancel it. Um, and then if you have canceled it, then you could go ahead and renew at some point in the future for the base uh, renewal fee. Um, so that's penny on that rulemaking. Okay. Well, that sort of gets us into the uh, the list of notices, and there's quite a bit here, Sue. So yeah. I will give you a poetic license to, if you want, if there's any uh, ones that you feel like uh, they're all important, but if there's any specifically you want to highlight that you think are important for uh, some of the folks listening to know, I'll, I'll let you go ahead and do that. Otherwise, you're you're welcome to work down the list. But um, the the first notice involves quite a few chapters. It looks like so. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, this rulemaking is just for notice of intended action, and it um, it's a lot of cleanup language that incorporates language changes that had been made in a couple of bills last year, and then some of these um, the bills this year that just really impact the board from um, just marginally, right? Yeah. But this is the filing that um, I have um, I have in here the extended repeal date for the immunization. So that's one that um, we'll want to get filed here as soon as we can and get that one moving um, as soon as the governor signs it. And then um, once the process, um, once I can get that filed for notice, we'll get that one moving so that that immunization piece can get moving. Yeah, and that you said that's just awaiting uh, governor's office approval at this point. Yeah, yeah. Shouldn't be an issue either, I, I wouldn't think. Um, yeah. Well, that's good to know, and again, an important piece and um, something to keep an eye on for everyone listening, certainly. Yeah. Uh, so the, the next one that the board talked about doesn't really probably impact pharmacists in Iowa. It's more folks that want to um, license transfer into Iowa, um, but are the rules currently require that if you want to license transfer into Iowa, then you have to base it on your uh, license by examination. So that could have been your license that you got 20 years ago in a state that you no longer live in um, where you took your exam and got licensed originally. So um, the board is proposing to change that rule to just allow um, a pharmacist to transfer their license based on any current and active license that they have anywhere in the United States. That's a pretty simple one, yeah. Um, and then they also talked about um, several rules changes for um, pharmacist interns in Chapter 4, um, and it kind of is part of their overall five-year review that they're required to do on all chapters. Um, so it has just a lot of simple changes as far as providing consistency in how um, how students are getting their experiential training, whether they're a student in the United States or if they're coming from a foreign pharmacy program, 
or consistency in language in using an ITIN number versus a social security number. Um, simplified um, the sub rule that talks about delegated functions uh, for a pharmacist intern. Um, and then just some other cleanup language that is, makes it consistent with how the board um, handles other licenses and registrations. Okay, so nothing major, but some some no. things there to be aware of, certainly. Right. Pharmacist interns. Yeah. Um, and then next, they talked about um, amending Chapter 10 controlled substances, um, and this filing um, would provide clarity that the board's expectation is that a registrant's perpetual inventory of C2s at all times accurately reflects the actual on hand inventory of the substance, and then also amends language um, relating to the purchase of Schedule One and Schedule II substances, and that um, then provides uh, more general language so that pharmacists can use the new DEA Form 222 that's a single form, where they could use both the triplicate or the single form here for a while. This language just leaves it more vague that they could use either. Okay. Definitely helpful to know. And it looks like the next rule is related to controlled substances as well. Yeah, so this was a, just a little bit different um, purpose. And this proposed rulemaking um, would amend Chapter 10 and Chapter 12, which is the precursor substances chapter. Um, and this rulemaking um, adds five more substances temporarily into the CSA that's based on similar action that the DEA has taken. Um, it takes away, cleans up all of those previously temporarily um, scheduled drugs out of the rules because they're now permanently scheduled from the legislative action. Um, it amends some language relating to cannabis-derived products that um, then is consistent with the new code language from the board's controlled substances bill. Right. And then it removes a paragraph relating to controlled substance prescriptions that refers to a supervising physician of a physician assistant, which of course um, is not required to be on the prescription anymore. So it cleans that up. Right. Okay, so see if I'm just thinking here from my own thought process, then this might be helpful for everyone listening. Can someone listening find these draft rules on the board website, or would you recommend going to the Iowa rulemaking website if they wanted to look at the proposed rules? Well, so for these right now, since the board just discussed them, they haven't been filed yet, so they wouldn't be on the rules tracker. Um, yet, but they should be able to go to the the board's website under the board meetings. Right. And if they click on this particular board meeting, I think Amanda loads all of the documents that are associated for the meeting. Um, yeah. Associated with that on that page, so they should be able to find them on our website. It's and they could certainly always email if if email me if they have if they want a copy of something. If someone was feeling extra studious, they could uh, right. sure. take a look now. Great. Well, it yeah. looks like there's two more on the list. Either one of those you think might be uh, especially pertinent for, for pharmacists or pharmacies 
Was well, probably the last one um, dealing with a proposed to amend Chapter 21. Um, this proposed rule would require that prescriptions that are transmitted electronically would be required to include um, the telephone number where the prescriber can be contacted um, timely. You know, so if the pharmacy, if you have a question about a drug interaction or a dose or something, and that prescription was electronically transmitted, then it would need to have the phone number where you could call and get a hold of the prescriber um, in a timely manner to talk to that prescriber about that issue. Gotcha. Okay. Well, Sue. It is always impressive to hear you run down that list. I don't know how you oh. keep it all straight, but it's certainly appreciated and um, definitely, I know, helpful information, not just for for us at IPA, but for everyone listening to sort of be aware of everything that's going on and all the good work that the board is doing. So thank you very yeah. much. I will mention too quick while I um, while I can, uh, the board, we put out a press release on Monday, I think it was, um, that we're seeking um, initial comments. Um, as part of this five-year review, the board reviews every chapter, um, every five-year period. And so we're coming upon a point um, at our meetings that we're going to be reviewing a few of the chapters. One is the nuclear pharmacy chapter, and I think the other two are the technician chapter and the PSP chapter. Um, so if, if people are so inclined, if they have particular um, suggestions about any rules within those chapters that they would like to see changed or they have um, you know a suggested alternative and how the public safety can be um, ensured with with a change to the rule or taking away the rule um, check out that press release and uh, send me their suggestions and the, the board will certainly take them into consideration awesome well that's great to know and I think there was an email that went out this week or last week, maybe that's included uh, asking for those those comments. I believe. Yeah, I think it was Monday. Okay, so um, a couple of days. Ago. Yeah, maybe look in uh, your inbox then for that email um, for more information. But otherwise, Sue, I'm sure you're always always willing to help as well. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you very much, and. Uh, as always, another great meeting by the Board of Pharmacy. Just a reminder for everyone listening that these podcasts are uh, eligible for continuing education requirements. So I'd encourage you, if, if that's something you need, to make sure you get your CE credits. And uh, if not, uh, you know, I think that's all I have on my list, Sue. So thank you very much and appreciate your time. You bet. And thank you to everyone for listening today. If you have any more questions, always feel free to reach out to to me or Sue, we're both always willing to help. Sue obviously has a lot more information than I do, but uh, I am always willing to, to try to help where